What's up, guys? Welcome to episode number 45 of the Joe Ciccarelli Show. Today's episode is a conversation with a colleague of mine, Paul Mistikawi. I think I pronounced that right. I'm sure, I'm, I'm sure I'll get a text from Paul if I didn't. Uh, we work for the same company. My company acquired his, uh, I don't know, a couple months ago, half a year ago, whatever. And uh, had heard great things about Paul when he first kind of came on board. And um, have seen him in action. Been really impressed with him. We were just kind of chatting one day. And uh, we're both from Boston. We're both big Patriots fans. So we, we, we connected on a lot of levels. But one day we were chatting about the podcast. And I was just like, hey, man, why don't you come on? Um, for me, selfishly, I wanted to pick his brain up. We're, we're, we're in the B2G space, so business to government space. I was really interested in learning about that uh, from his perspective, someone who's been successful at it for a long time. And then, it, it, so if you're in the B2G space, you'll enjoy this. But just generally, it's a good conversation around sales and how to get better at sales. Um, universally applied um, tactics that we kind of talk about. Uh, two apologies. One is I'm in a hotel room right now, so if, if my... Um, if my uh, my uh, voice sounds kind of crappy in the intro or in the outro. You guys know I'll do my, my, my summary at the end. I apologize. But worse, for some reason during this like podcast, there was like this like really weird noise. It sounded like there was like a ghost in the background. And I thought it was Paul. Um, <laughs> and I, and I kind of stopped the interview at one point. I, I, I edited it out. But... Um, but I, I think it was me because I, I heard it a bunch throughout. So I, I apologize for that. It's not too bad, but um, you'll definitely hear it. Uh, outside of that, <laughs> I hope you enjoy the episode and uh, tag along for the uh, for the comments at the end. Paul, welcome to the Joe Ciccarelli Show, man. It's great to have you. It's a pleasure to be here, Joe. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah, yeah um, I... Been looking forward to chatting with you for a while. Two guys from Boston on a call together, so uh, we'll have to keep the uh, keep the language appropriate for the audience, I guess. But uh, language and the speed, right? We talk fast, right? So <laughs> I'm going to slow it down, right? Normal speed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll keep it normal. So um, the reason the reason why I wanted to bring you on here, obviously, um, want to hear all about your story, but. Uh, I had kind of heard a lot of good, when our companies kind of came together, whenever that was, God, it's been months now. Um, I kind of heard a lot about you kind of before then and people that had had worked for you is just one of the guys in our industry who's very, really gets the sales, sides of, sales side of it. So there's, and we'll talk a lot about that today and whatnot. So sales and technical and all that sort of stuff. So I was really excited to bring you on. I know your background, but for those that don't, you want to give us kind of a a flyover and show sure, us kind sure, of a little bit Joe. about your story. Yeah. So uh, quickly, born and raised uh, in the Boston area, suburbs of Boston. Um, mm -hmm. and, and what's what's interesting about my background, at least I think a little interesting, is I'm the son of two immigrants. So, you know, you've always got something, you know, something yeah. going on there, right? Uh, never, never simple, never easy. You know, English was my second language, is my second language. Really? Um, I didn't know I, that. Yeah. A lot of people don't. Um so Arabic was, uh, was my first language. My parents were born and raised in Egypt, and they both moved here. And I was born a couple of years after that. So um, Arabic was spoken at home and, and obviously English. So, you know, going to school, it, I was bilingual. And, you know, when you get to the point, it's embarrassing. Your parents speaking to you a different language, right? <laughs> so, um, yeah, so English wasn't always my strong suit, right? Uh, speaking in general. Throw in, throw in the Boston accent and the R's, right? So yeah, it was um, public speaking was was a challenge. So when I when I I, I kind of chuckle like I make my living now speaking, right? Speaking and listening, obviously. But so never in a million years did I think I would be doing this for a living. Um, you know, I you know like most immigrants, you follow in your in your parents, your father's footsteps. And my dad was a structural engineer. And that's what I that's what I did. I went to school in Boston, Northeastern, and got my structural engineering degree. Um, and 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 oddly, you know, the plan was my dad and I to start building homes. You know, really? buy land and, and you know make sub do you know build subdivisions, put the road in, build some homes. That was kind of the dream, right? The father son combination. And um, and uh, unfortunately, my dad passed away at a young young age, so that that dream kind of got shot. Um. So um, I went into normal engineering and, and, and I found myself very bored. I, I can't sit still. I have a hard time sitting still. And uh, I was sitting in a little cubicle and 
you know, I'm like, this sucks, right? Just boring. (laughs) So uh, I I saw an ad in the paper and it said, looking for somebody in the New England area uh, with a background, a technical background for technical sales with traffic control. And that's all it said. And that's, and that's kind of like, ah, what the hell? I'm 22. I'm bored. I, you know, I sent my resume to this company out of California and, you know, out of sight, out of mind until I get a call like two or three months later. And it says, hi, I'm, I'm from the HR department from Econolite. We have your resume. I had no idea who they were. I don't remember sending a resume. And uh, we'd like to talk to you. Sure. Why not? Right. I'll talk to anybody. Sure. And, yeah. um, you know, I was like, okay, this could be interesting. I looked them up online and they do traffic and traffic's, you know, that that's the discipline of civil engineering, which, which is my discipline. So I, um, I said, oh, why not? Let's talk to these guys. And, and I remember talking to my parents too, because, you know, and, and it is something my dad said, said, you know, man, just the freedom of not going in an office and being able to, you know, drive around and see different people. He goes, that, that, he goes, that is worth $10,000. I don't know why I said 10,000, but he said, that's worth $10,000. So, okay, great. So, so I met with uh, the VP of sales at the time. It was Jeff Spinazzi was his name. And we actually met in the New York airport. He was flying someplace. And so we figured, let's meet the airport. Let's connect. And we literally just sat in the corner and, you know, just asked me questions. And, and uh, we just connected. You ever, you ever meet somebody, you just connect yeah. really quick. And he just said, man, I feel like I'm looking at myself 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Apparently he was an engineer too. And somebody, you know, he, hey, I'm going to be an engineer. And, and then he got involved in technical sales. And he said, really, I, I feel like I'm looking at myself and I'd love to have you on board. And, and I said, I kind of said, that's great. I'd love to. I just don't know much about sales. He said, he said, I'll give you a little bit of advice. He said, if you carry this through for your career, you'll do it very well. I said, what's that? He said, be the expert. He said, know your product inside and out. Go present to all the local shows. Go to all the consultants, all the local agencies. Go present. It's going to be tough at first, but just get your name out there. Know the product. Um, Know your competitor's product. He goes, they'll be calling you. You won't have to call them. They'll be calling you if you get that reputation. Mm -hmm. And and I've always taken that advice, and it's carried me through my whole career. Be the expert. That's the best advice I can give to anybody. Be the expert in sales, especially in our industry, because it is very technical. A lot of the stuff that we do, right? I mean, it's—I didn't know that going in, but it's very much so. Um, I mean, you're selling to engineers. Engineers don't want to be BS'd; <laughs> they want to be told what what things are. So it's funny you say that because I think starting off in Boston, the New England area, really helped me. There, were, there was no BS. Like, okay, kid, there's no BS there have? anyway. Right. What do you got? You got you've got five minutes. You got seven minutes. I, I don't I don't want to hear about your weekend. I don't want to hear about your dog, your girlfriend, your wife. I just want, <laughs> you know, do you have something for me? That's it. And if I need you, I'll call you. It's a very like to the point in New England. Right. We're kind of to the point guys. Right. Yeah. So that, I think that helped me. Right. To really kind of home in and again, get to the point, understand what the problem is. You know, see if I can I can put together a solution on the fly. And kind of get a little bit of respect, right? I, I, I felt like in the beginning, I was, here comes this young kid. What does he know, right? Talking to older people. Uh, so it, it was kind of neat. Kind of get that, get that education really quick. Yeah, yeah. How, um, so like looking at what you know now, looking back on it, right? If you were introduced to the industry or like a new thing, um, I know software is now becoming a big thing in our industry, <laughs> which is funny because it's been around for like 50 years, but it's just now hitting traffic. Um, yes. How do you approach, how would you approach things? You know, so I'm a new sales guy. I'm trying to kind of get my feet underneath me. What's like, how would you do it again if you were, were to redo it? Does, it? does that make sense? Well, I, I think I answered that, Joe. Be the expert. It sounds so simple. So what does that really mean? That means yeah, so that's... That, what does that really mean, Joe? That means you're sitting there at nine o'clock at night by yourself at the dining room table with something, a laptop, software, graphic controller, another piece of hardware you're selling, all connected, you know, testing stuff out, playing with software, breaking it, right? It, it's it's understanding the, the solution inside and out. Um, yeah. It's it's understanding the industry, understanding what your customers are facing are faced with. So it's all the hard work is done when nobody's watching. 
like getting in front of the customer should be the easy part. It's, it's the preparation when nobody's watching. Right. right. Um, you know, it's um, I, 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 I talked about my childhood and being a son of two immigrants. It's funny. Even now I, I think about some of the lessons, like my dad, some of the things, the cliches he'd always say, right. Um, you know, th- there's no room for a mediocre guy. He always said that, right. There's no room for a mediocre guy. There's a lot of those guys out there. Mm. He, you know, another, another thing that always stuck with me is do it right the first time. And the third yeah. thing, if you want it done right, do it yourself. So, I mean, you got you got to put in the work when nobody's watching. When your friends, right? I, I was there. When your friends are going out to the bar, right? Um, watching a game, you, you know, I'm sitting there with the traffic controller and trying to figure out all the stuff. And I mean, half the stuff was over my head, but at least I got to know what I didn't know. And I, and I found people who wanted to help. I had a lot of really, really good mentors and people that were just willing to help me, you know? But the key was, I think they saw... Here's a kid who's trying. Here's a kid who's actually, you know, plugging it Willing in. to put the work in. God, you got to put the work in when nobody's watching. So I think that that's the best advice I can give anybody. Yeah. Now, the when I, and again, look at our industry, but this can be applied universally. So th- there's the idea that there are a lot of experts there. I mean, like, but, but where I see coming from, someone who has a sale, a pretty strong sales background and wasn't an expert. And so I'm working on that expert piece and it takes a while, but I also see a major gap with a lot of people are to see that they don't really understand um, sales and it's not our industry. I think it's a lot of industries because what happens is oftentimes it's the experts that say, Hey, you know, this stuff, well, go be a salesman. Um, so there's still that component of it, right? Yeah. So a couple of things, I think there's a lack of training. There's a big lack of training. And just because you know something doesn't make you a salesman. Yeah, exactly. Like exactly. Apply, that's that's how, the point. How, yeah. how do you apply that knowledge? You know, and you know, yeah, I'm going to bring the expert in. The expert's going to talk for an hour, and half of it was wasted because he didn't know the situation. He could be talking about a mm-hmm. wireless solution, and his customer's like, "I've got fiber optic." So the point is, just because you're an expert, right? You're just gonna you're just gonna regurgitate everything you know, and that's what a lot of them like to do. It's it's really understanding the customer, understanding their situation, understanding their problem, and then applying the expertise to that. To that. That's why, yeah. you know, when you bring somebody in, half the time it's a waste because the customer's explaining, well, let me explain this again. Here's what we have. Here's our problem. So, you know, I think that frustrates a lot of our customer base. Yeah, yeah. I, I think even more so now in COVID where it's like, so much time's wasted on, Hey, let me just give you a demo. Let me sit there and throw stuff at, and we just don't know. And the more, the more that I see stuff, the more, and maybe this is COVID related, or maybe it's just general sales. It's really a lot less about demos and PowerPoints and more just about conversations with people to try and understand them and, and say, Hey, here's what we can do. This, what, this is what it could look like. Um, I mean, have you found that or what's, what kind of works? I think you just nailed on something talking to people's relationships relationships and, yeah. and, and again build a rapport build a relationship that's actually really not what you're doing you're building trust yeah right? you, trust. You, don't, you don't have to break bread with the guy but you have to have a trust i mean i buy stuff from people i trust i know right away whether you're buying a vehicle or a microwave there's just a trust right the guy standing across me is trying to sell you something right is he selling me or is he trying to help me it's a trust and, mm-hmm. and i think you just you're building a reputation and trust that, that's what it comes down to. How do you, what's like, when you look at a new customer and a new opportunity, what's kind of, what, what goes on in your head? Because I mean, obviously, you know, it's building trust, it's building, a, but how do you, is there a certain way you do things or is it just very situationally based depending on what's, I think what's going on? Well, every, every customer is different. Their personalities are different. Sure. Um, some customers just want to have all the information in front of them, Right. Uh, some customers want to sit down and they, and they want to talk, right? So I, I just think it's fair just to be able to respect that. You know, they're all different. And it's not fair to have, you know, get into guns blazing when, when the guy's more of a, you know, different type personality. So I, I really think it's really based on, on who you're talking to. Yeah. You know, yeah. some, some just, you know, takes time, right? And they want a little bit of information and they'll ask them more questions. And that's okay, too. Again, there's, there, there's no right way of selling. I think that's the funny part. Um, yeah. I, I read a lot of books, right? I did nothing about sales and 
read all these books and it's just reality is there, there, there is no there is no magic formula for selling right there's no right personality there's no right approach i mean some things are standard know the product follow up right presentation skills are always helpful obviously but it's it's i don't know i i just it really depends on the customer they're all different yeah yeah there's a big sense around trying to optimize yourself uh, and figure yourself out and figure out how can I be the best version of like myself. So then yeah. that can be universally applied to kind of whoever you're talking to. Um, well, yeah, that's something I've well, thought a lot about. Yeah. Well, it's true. You, you, you don't, I mean, you've got, you've got work ethic, you have morals, you have ethics that never changes, but your approach will change. Right. Yeah. So some people yeah. I know, you know, they want information right now. Great. Right. They, they, they want, you know, they, they want to sit down, they want to break bread, that, and that's great. But again, your core doesn't change. Some people don't want to don't want to talk. Just send me emails. They're, they're more comfortable reading it on their own time. I've seen that. And that's fine. So don't push them. Here's the information requested. How can I help you? Any more information you need? So, you know, I, I think you just got to really follow, follow, you know, what the customer's telling you. Yeah. Uh, one of the things you said there that kind of sparked another question for me. Um, don't push them. So in our industry, we sell to the government. Um, it's one of the things that I struggle with being a fast paced guy is the sales cycle. How do you deal with that? And what do you, how do you, is there a way to make it faster or like, how do you, yeah. How have you dealt with that? You can't make it faster. All you can do, yeah, you I guess, I guess you can make it a little faster by providing information uh, providing confidence, right? A lot of people just want to feel confident. They're spending a lot of money, you know, and their, their job is on the line too, right? End of the day, our job is to make our customers look good. They trusted us. They went with us. They're, they're giving us money. Somebody's asking them, you know, what, what are we getting out of it? What's the benefit? So they're, again, they're, they, they have to sell it too. So yeah, that's our job is to make them look good. And I think if we get there, if they get there faster, great. But you can't just, you know, speed things up by six months. Um, you can't. It just doesn't work that way. And so the key in, from a success standpoint is really just working a lot of deals and, you know, getting a pipeline that's pretty, pretty robust. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, and and there's yeah. things like funding, there's contracts. You can't speed that up. They're, they're at the mercy of their own procurement as well. So you have to understand that. And I think you come across as um, – just disingenuous when you, when you're really pushing a little too hard, you know, and I, and I think I look back and, you know, I've been doing this for 25 years and I was the pit bull, right. They always called me the pit bull, send a pit bull in. And that's just the personality. Like we go back to Boston, right. Our new England yeah. roots. Um, we're just, we're, we're aggressive, not, not in a bad way. That's just kind of the temperament. Um, and, and it's funny. I moved down South um, shortly after, after I took the job with Econolite. And man, it was it was it was an eye opener, right? And it, it was it was a punch in the gut. The pace is just different. So you, again, you you gotta be able to, you know, fit in. That that's the key to you. Can't be that guy going 100 miles an hour when everybody's at 50 miles an hour. No, no. Nobody likes that. Nobody trusts yeah. it. Yeah, I think that's a big thing. Is Boston Northeast? You kind of get this this like, and it's it's probably true in some ways, but it's like this guy's just. He's trying to smooth talk me or about, you know, or, and it's, uh, it does come back to just being genuine and building trust. I mean, that's really what, that's, that's all you if, can do. If you don't like people and you don't like to help people, you're, you're in the wrong profession. End yeah. of the day. Yeah. Sales is great. And we're all trying to make a buck and make two bucks. It, you really have to like people. Like I, I can honestly say I've met some fantastic people. Our industry is very small, right? Yeah. Very small. Yeah. Traffic control is very small. So we all kind of know each other, right? Man, I have met some just great people, customers, customers, consultants, you know, other vendors, just lifelong friends. Um, so again, you, you got to like people. You, you got to want to help people. The, the money will come, right? If you do all the right things, the money will come, right? Everybody gets a little too amped up over that. Um, it'll come. But uh, you, yeah. you got to have a care. Like you got to really, really want to help people. Yeah. Um. What do you do outside of sales that you think in life or whatever that helps you kind of be successful at sales? So um, I've got two little girls. 
seven and nine. Mm-hmm. And man, that, that has taught me more patience. I'm not a patient person, <laughs> you know, I'm just not patient. And, you know, everybody knows me. I'll tell you that um, it has helped me tremendously, honestly, taking a deep breath. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that has really calmed me down. Right. Being, being a father, especially yeah. with girls. So it's uh, I love it. Absolutely love it. Um, so I, it actually has helped me. And, and it's funny, even when I, I help my girls study, it's very interesting. I find some of my sales skills, right? And they have to do presentations and doing marketing stuff. It's actually really cool. My, my seven-year-old had to do a video, a commercial on a product, a new product that she designed. It was awesome, right? Really? And we went through practice. Hi, my name is Mia. I am here today to show you X, Y, and Z. And then, you know, just it was fun for me. Okay, Mia, so where are they going to buy it? How do they buy it? Oh, go to my website, www. You know what I mean? It was really neat to do some of that. It was a seven-year-old, right? Um, yeah. I love to teach. I actually love to teach. I would actually, I would like to retire and be a teacher about sales, salesmanship, entrepreneurship. Um, I, I find that fascinating. I love working with young people. Yeah. Actually, that, that's yeah. what I really like to do. And you mentioned that there's a big lack of training you know, and it's not industry based. It's all over the place. I mean, a lot of companies don't train on that. Um, there's pro- there's product. You know, being an expert, building trust. What other stuff do you think? Two things. Part of that. Two things yeah. that bug me. Two things. I two things that, that really get under my skin: presentation skills yeah. and writing skills. I'll, so talk. I'll, I'll never. Yes. Yeah, say more about that. Presentation skills. I think people get into the trap of just puking out everything they know, right? I'm going to tell you about this software or this piece of hardware and it's four by eight. And look at these, you know, die cast aluminum and it has this, you know, chipset here. And it's, it's cause that's, again, our space is more hardware based. Mm -hmm. So you have more techie people, which is great. And, and unfortunately, those people are thrown in the deep end for sales, I noticed. And uh, this presentation skills, um, the, one, the one thing that really bugs me is, is when, I, when, when there's a meeting or a presentation and there's no agenda. And there's actually a consultant who taught me that many years ago. Have an agenda, even if it's three bullets. Have an agenda. People know what to expect. People know whether to get on the call, their presentation or not. So my, I'm really a, a big agenda person. All my, so- most of my emails will... You know, invites will have an agenda. Yeah, yeah, I've, I've noticed that about you. So, do you do that for any sales meeting, like any meeting with a prospect, anything? It's like, boom. Absolutely. You know, yeah, that's that's because think that's about it, Joe. Thing. Somebody new, you know, you could be talking about some some solution, and you can drill down a couple of bullets, and oh, look, there's a um, there's there's an origin destination module in that software, right? Oh, wait a minute. We, we have somebody who does this down the hall. Susie down the hall does OD. Let me invite her. Happens all the time. I always remember doing presentations. The guy goes, oh, I wish you invited Susie and Jack. They would love this stuff. So mm-hmm. it kind of said ding, ding, ding. If, if, if this guy knew about it ahead of time, he could invite Susie and Jack, right? So again, giving them the information ahead of time, I think is really important. Here's, here's what I want to talk about. Um, and, and they can, they can share that. And then, you know, if it's applicable, somebody can jump on. Yeah. I think speed and sales cycle, there's an example, just being organized, right. Getting yep. more people, you know, now, now instead of having a second call in two weeks, you just had that call with, you know, multiple groups that helps. That helps. That's a big thing. I think too, is, um, most salespeople don't take the time to like think and one of the things that I've liked about working with you, and I've, I've seen you do this a couple of times, I've noticed the agenda. But the other thing is like, we'll have a meeting to prepare for another presentation, but not just like, hey, who's going to do the slide deck? And who's it's like, no, 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 no. Like, who are these people? What do they care about? And how do we design something that really resonates with them? And most people, that takes work. Like that is work to sit down and think. And most people don't do that. They just I, I, present yeah. what they have and say, do you like it or not? You know, and that's not, that's. that's I like, um, I like getting the group together and my team knows that. And I'll throw something out there and go, what do you think? Uh, so what, what do they say? 
hire smarter people than yourself, right? And that's true. If you hire smart people, it really helps. But you utilize that. Yeah. I don't know everything. I, I so that's why I like, you know, hey guys, I want to put together this new campaign, whatever it might be. Here's what I'm thinking. What do you think? And I'll, I'll get some good feedback. You know, so I think it's important to to allow people to express their their opinion and listen. Mm -hmm. I, that's why I like doing that. Hey guys, we have this big meeting. Here's what here's here's what I know. Here's what I'm thinking. Does that make sense? Oh no, Paul, that's crazy. I wouldn't do that. Great, thank you very much. Here, yeah. What would you do instead? So again, you, you've got to you've got to you got to hire good people and you got to listen. Yeah, you have to listen. I, I have a guy on my team now. Every time we do a presentation, I do a lot of trainings. I know the software very well. I'm the expert on our software, and it, we'll talk before every single one. I say, hey, Paul, here's the three things I would like you to focus on. I already talked to the customer. You know, all they care about is alarms. They care about uh, historical reports. Okay, great. So we're not wasting time, right? Not wasting time. So yeah. that, that that ten minutes of preparation goes a long way. Definitely. But one other thing too, which I think that we, I guess maybe we didn't touch on too much earlier, but it was like, we don't want to push people, but now you've come, you present a good presentation. Do we need as salespeople, like, do you feel like it's our responsibility to kind of not push someone, but say, all right, like, are we doing this? Like at some point you need to close. Right. And I think that's the word close scares people. Cause it's like, let's do this today. Why not? I'm not saying that, but what does that look like in your in your world? Good question, Joe. So one thing I've noticed is a lot of people like to be led. Mm -hmm. and, that's, and that's not a bad thing. This personality. So what does that really mean? You know, you should you should end every meeting with an agenda, right? A follow up. Excuse me, a follow up. What's the follow up? Oh. Hey guys, does this work? Is this would this would this help you? Would this solve a problem? You know, and, and whether it's I need more technical information, specifications, whether we, we're, we want to schedule a demonstration, whether we can schedule a pilot. It's, it's, and I had a hard time with this at first too, asking for the order. It's not just the order, asking for an opportunity, asking for a pilot, you know, uh, nothing worse than doing a meeting. Okay. Oh, that was fantastic. You shake the hand and walk out. Now yeah. Have a great day. You're right. Have right. a great day. Right. So I, I, I do think it's important to, to have some type of follow-up, you know, Hey guys, you know, or even going into it, it's important, you know, understanding, Hey guys, where are we with this? If some people say, Paul, I'm, we're not ready to buy. We'd like to learn more about the product. That, that's actually great. At least we know, or, Hey, we're looking at, we're looking at a situation. We need something to do X, Y, and Z. So if, if this will solve your problem, will you purchase it? Is this something you can specify? Worst thing is low bid, right? That that's the one thing that just chaps me. Right. Um, you do all the work, you help them out, and then and then they they go out to bid for a generic system, right? That's the worst. Mm -hmm. But um, you can ask that question: Are you able to specify it? If this if this works and you're comfortable, and you purchase it, there's nothing wrong with saying it. This this is this is our livelihood. This is how we eat. You know, we're not being rude. We're not being you know we're not pushing them. But these are these are really good questions. You know, you need to understand. There's only so many hours in a day. Where are you going to focus your time? And if somebody has an opportunity and, hey, hey, I need to buy something. And, hey, if this, I like this, I can, I can purchase it and I, I can buy it by name. But that's great, right? That's always the goal. Um, so yeah. th that's the one thing that took me a long time to understand. You're not being pushy, right? It's just, it's just part of the process. And, and I think customers appreciate that. Right? And let's, they need to think about it too. You know, uh, I don't think they want to waste our time. I don't think that's their goal at all. I think sometimes it happens that way. So I, I think it's important that they, they understand, hey, guys, we're here to make a living too. So that, that's one thing I'd suggest. Yeah, yeah. I, I completely – and it's almost – I think a big thing that gets overlooked a lot is like the like disqualifying is a really important thing. And people just think, oh, my God, like we don't want to ask them because they might say no. If they say no, that's great because then that's one less person I need to follow up with. And I think that's a big um, – we're so happy to have someone give us the time of day. We're so happy to have. And then the other thing is like, you get down this, you got to be careful doing trials or stuff like that, because even that's just a way to, a, a nice way of not saying no. Um, and so that's one of the things that I've really started to focus on more as I kind of grow into understanding our industry more. And it's really any industry. It's like, you gotta, um, I guess it's how you say it, but if you're not, 
you got to figure out who's serious and who's not. And that's a big, that's a big part of the job. I think we got to qualify it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and that, that's just, again, it's some question and that, that's fair. I think it was a fair question to ask. Yeah. Yeah. I got, um, I was talking to someone last week about you and that's that, that came up that they learned that from you early on. It was like almost the ability to just give yourself permission. Like you can ask anything you want. Like you don't need to, you know, it's, uh, Anything you, you, you could say yeah. within reason, of course. I mean, you can't be a jerk, but yeah, I agree. Yeah. Well, man, it's been good chatting with you. Um, yeah. So, so, you know, I, I want to go back. We, we talked about some of the things, skill sets. There's one thing I brought up. I didn't, I didn't elaborate on and, it, and it, it's kind of a pet peeve of mine. Writing skills. Email. Yes. Okay. Thanks for bringing that up. That, yeah. That's a pet peeve of mine. And it, and it's actually funny because I was a terrible writer, terrible writer, right? My grammar sucked. Everything's terrible, right? Um, and that's now I had to work on that a lot, a lot. How did and you work on one, how a lot of practice asking somebody, hey, can you help me out? Can you proof it again? Finding people who are good at it and, and man, they just bled all over it many times. And you start realizing and I and I just I, I like to try certain things and I, you know, reading a lot and. You know, you understand what people's attention span is. You've got like 10 seconds, right? So I'm, I'm, I'm a big person. One line, bullet, 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 another line. Thank you very much, right? And in between some type of follow-up. Can we do this? Schedule that. Can we meet? It's short, sweet, to the point. with a couple of bullets. Um, that, that, that's, that's, it's my style because it's just honestly doing a lot of research and, and trial and error. Um, yeah. I hate yeah. getting people write novels all the time. Nobody reads it. I, I I can't tell you how many people just write novels, and it's just I'm just like, what a waste of time. Nobody's gonna read it. Or there's 17 topics in an email. Yeah, I'd rather 17 small emails, right? You can't you can't reply to 17 topics in an email. Half of them are gonna get fall through the cracks. Mm -hmm. Um, and I remember seeing you know I remember young guys too the way they write you know you with just not Y O U an actual U. We're not texting, guys. We're not texting, right? It's 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 kind of a formal way of communicating. Yeah. So get rid of the texting, right? You yeah, know, mindset. Not. So little things <laughs> like that just bugs me. It really does. It sales, and I think a lot of things in life become easier if you can just pump the brakes and just put yourself in someone else's shoes for a second. Be like, okay, like like you said, I do not. If someone sends me a really long email, I'm like, I'm not reading it. Like I'm not like, and if I have to, I'm going to complain. I'm going to like not do a good job. So why would I want to do that to someone else? Like if, if most things when it's like, should I, what should I do? It's like, well, if I, yeah, we, we need to in general, put ourselves in the buyer's shoes, like even buying, like, how do you want to buy stuff? You said it earlier, like when you go buy a car or something, like you want someone you can trust, but there's other things too. Like, how do you want to go through a process? Do you want it, – it's helpful to be led through a process when you go buy something because you don't know anything, but it's different than being pushed. So it, it is just putting yourself in the other person's shoes. Um, and that's an easy – that's a low low impact way of figuring stuff out. I agree. Yeah. Um, so is people that are listening today, they want to connect with you. You're on LinkedIn, right? You know, I, I admittedly, I don't do a lot of social media. I have an account. I have a LinkedIn account, and it's okay. I'm not a social media person. Um, odd, I know that, and, and everybody's on social media. Like, I, I don't like Facebook. I, I do have a LinkedIn account, and that's fine. I can, I get, I can get messages and all that. Um, but it's just, it's funny. It's just not my style. Yeah, I'm, why I'm, not? Because kind of you're a pretty, you're a very social guy. I'm a social guy, like but I'm also very private. Yeah, and I think that has to do with having two little girls, and, yeah. and I think seeing people flaunt their kids online, right? I think that personal side just turned it is a turn off for me. Yeah. And look what we're doing. Look at me. Look what I'm wearing. Look where I'm at. Look what I'm eating. I'm just private. I, I just you know I don't like that. I, I just you know it's funny. Um, and I mentioned before I go back to my my dad, right? Um, I come from a very humble background, and and. He always said, don't let the right hand know what the left hand is doing. That's always stuck with me. Mm. And I find all these things, people just want to look at me, look at me. I, I don't like that. That's not my style. It's not my personality. 
hey, I, hey, I'm the guy that walks into Dunkin' Donuts every morning in, in a flip flops, t-shirt, and shorts, and they think I'm, I'm unemployed, right? And uh, <laughs> one day I went in there in a suit. I was going to a meeting early. They looked at me like, oh my god, you actually have a job. I think that's awesome, <laughs> right? I think that's awesome, right? Kind of flying oh, under the radar. Love it. That I just yeah, that's how well that's how I was you know I was raised that way because I had no choice, right? We were you know very humble background, but um. I just don't I, – I think people just are too showy. Um, I agree. And I think yeah. that maybe may, right or wrong, that stuck with me to kind of get off of social media. I don't do anything with social media at all. You know, maybe I need to separate my professional life and personal. But I just kind of categorize it all and put it all together. And, yeah, I'm just not a big social media person. Yeah. No, it makes total sense, man. Well, um, like I said, it's been great having you on. And uh, I'm sure there's a lot for people to learn here. So uh, thanks for sharing the insight. Joe, it's, it's been fun. It's, I love talking to uh, fellow Bostonians. Um, you know, it's 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 funny. Uh, I, I tell people all the time, I don't know a lot of things, but I, I know traffic. I think I know selling pretty good. I'm always learning, but I think I know it pretty well. And I, and I, and I know football. Love love <laughs> football, right? I could talk I could talk football all day long, right? And but find a, a Bostonian who's into traffic and sales and is a Patriots fan. I I could talk all day long. Welcome back, guys. Hope you enjoyed that. Uh, I thought that was a great episode. Outside of the fact that um, every time I talked, it sounded like there was an alien in my back in the background. That was really weird, uh, and I have no idea what th- what happened. I did nothing different on that interview that I've ever done on any other interview. But uh, we know how technology works. Some days. What I liked about this conversation with Paul was uh, a lot of the people I bring on here, are like people that are. You know, either current influencers or aspiring to be influencers. So there are people that I connect with on LinkedIn that have a good message. And they're very, you know, they're kind of, in many cases, they've done well in sales and they've gone on to like train other people on how to be in sales, whether they're a sales coach or they offer sales trainings or seminars. Uh, And those people are so great to learn from because they have such a wide breadth of experience. But what's different, in in my opinion, really neat about Paul is, you know, he's not that. He's just a, a, a regular sales dude. Uh, a regular sales dude that's out there kind of hustling right now like everyone else is. Um, and it's not to say that that's better than or worse than what some of the other people are. It's just different. And it gives you a, a different take. And so as I'm trying to organize my thoughts on the show, I just have like a long list of really interesting things that he kind of said. And I'm like, well, th- these each kind of deserve their own little piece because they're real just applicable things. And none of them are, nothing he said here. And in most cases, um, a lot of my episodes aren't necessarily the most earth shattering they're just reminders of things that that one if you if you're new to sales you probably have heard but you hear it in a different way or two things that um i guess maybe you haven't heard before but a lot of the people kind of haven't have kind of identified some type of niche right so something that maybe makes them a little different than other people and that's where they focus so it makes it easy for me to kind of at the end be like this is this person's niche well paul's niche is just selling stuff (laughs) right i mean there's no there's no hey uh and i think one of the maybe a good jumping in point is one of the things he said is there's no magic approach to this stuff and there's not when you really get down to it there's so much talk about strategy and um systems and processes and they are good it's good to have a system uh, but at the end of the day, like you need to tailor things for people as it comes up and you need to go with what's available to you. And as much as we all want people in sales process to fit into a box, they just don't. And they never will because people will never fit in a box. So I, I think one of the things he just kind of came to at one point is like, there's, there's no right way to do this. You know, and as you press them as I, and as I do, and I always try to press people a little bit on like, you know, well, how do you do this and how do you do that? And it, it, it's, it's different every time. And, and that's okay. And um, for those of you guys that are listening, I can speak to it. Paul's been very successful in sales. He's very good at it. Uh, and he's no different than you or me. Um, but, you know, and I'll talk about some of the things that he's done that probably have set him apart. And there certainly are things that have set him apart. But generally speaking, um, I think... You know, his ability to just stick in the game longer and learn from other people and learn from his customers um, and know that not everything's going to go exactly the way that you plan it to go, that, that's, a great, um, that's a great attribute in anything you do. And I think it's just, you can kind of take a, f- a, a breath of fresh air in a sense. You, you don't need to be this amazing person that always has the right answer and always the right time. And it's funny, the more stuff I post on LinkedIn, you, you feel guilty at times. And um, 
full, full transparency because it's like, I'm not always perfect at this stuff. I'll put stuff on there and be like, well, don't ever do this. And I do it sometimes. We all do. And anyone that doesn't will be telling you that they're, that they're lying. Um, I think I, I, I got that sense a lot from Paul here is, Hey man, like I don't have it all figured out, but there's a couple of things that I try and do and I try and do them well. And, uh, one of the things he did talk about, which I, I'm, I'm, I'm learning a lot, particularly in my industry, but it's, we all say our, our industry is different, right? All industries are cutthroat. You know, this industry is really cutthroat. All industries are cutthroat. Everyone's competing. Um, and one thing that's also consistent with Paul talks about is the, 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 important, the importance of being an expert. Now, the one thing I would say in our industry that's a little bit different than others is, and in many cases, we do sell to engineers. And what I've learned about engineers is they're, they're very, they're engineers, right? I mean, they, they want to understand the ins and outs of everything and they want to see how things are built and they want to take them apart and how they're, and make sure it all makes sense. So being the expert is particularly important in our, in, in our industry, but it really isn't any industry. And it's a really, really the most, uh, in my opinion, and certainly Paul's as well, as he talks about, it's probably one of the most important things that are overlooked when it comes to being successful. Um, and I guess that's more my opinion than Paul's. Paul just talks about the importance of it in general. But when I look at all this different advice, it's advice on how to sell better. Because that's the advice people can give you. They can give you advice on how to sell better, universally applied advice on how to sell better. Um, but what they can't teach you, and not at scale anyway, uh, some person that's on LinkedIn or that sells that you that you read a book about how to sell unless it's really a book on how to sell in this industry only which wouldn't may not make sense because again that's very very niche down uh, but it's understanding your product understanding your service in great detail becoming the expert on that but also understanding your industry and understanding where it's going and that's so important uh, and it's easy actually it's in many ways easier than becoming good at sales uh, because there's no pressure. You just do your research, do your homework, join webinars, read white papers, um, read a book. I mean, there's so much information out there on any industry on how to learn, on how to learn, and people don't want to do it. And if you're going to be in sales for a long time, and especially if you've kind of think, hey, I'm going to be in this industry for a long time, it behooves you to dive in and be, start to become an expert in that industry. And Paul talks a lot about that. Talks about putting in the work when no one's watching. Um, finding out what you don't know, that's not earth shattering stuff, but this dude works hard and I've seen it in action. He's always running around. He's always trying to do a bunch of different things. He's always moving and shaking. And, and that's in many ways, um, uh, to varying degrees. I'm not saying you always have to be going a million miles an hour, but, but you have to work hard. And, uh, one night it was actually myself, Paul and, uh, Jeff Gherkin, just been on the podcast as well. We were sitting in a hotel room getting ready for a presentation and I, I, I kind of threw it out there and I'm like, do you, you know, I, and part of it I, I've learned from this podcast is do you really have to work that hard? Can you just work smart? Um, and it's funny. I don't know who jumped down my throat quicker, Jeff or Paul, but they're like, no, you have to work hard and, and, and you do. And that, that doesn't mean you have to kill yourself. Doesn't mean you have to deprioritize everything in your life. But at the end of the day, like you need to figure out what you want to focus on. You need to just show up every day. You need to work hard every day. Um, some days you're going to work harder than others, but you know, like he says, put in the work when no one's watching. And that's, um, that's where people respect you. They, they respect you through your reputation and you build that reputation through doing the work. That's, that's another thing he talks about is build a reputation on doing the work. So going out there every day, um, or whenever you need to, and actually sitting down and, um, becoming someone that is willing to learn, willing to put in the work. And people start to respect that about, and they start to learn that you're the type of person that does that. And that goes a long way. I mean, your reputation, one of my previous episodes, again, a stupid little saying Mark Hunter talked about was, um, your reputation precedes you. And it's a hundred percent true, right? Like, you know, people do talk about people always. They talk behind everyone's back. And we always think about that as a bad thing, but it's oftentimes a really good thing too. People are going to talk behind your back. So what do you want them to say? And if you can build a reputation for someone, th this guy's going to come in here, he's going to work hard, he's going to get you the answers, he's the guy you want to give the time of day to, They're, you're going to walk in there and that person's going to know a lot about you about you and your, your reputation before you show up. And that's a really important thing to, to, to build that in the right way. Uh, one of the things that I, that I pushed Paul on, which was really a big issue for me uh, in this industry, is I've worked in jobs where the point of that sale is a, what we used to call a one-call close. You go in, you see the customer, you build rapport, you do like a super quick discovery, you present, you close, you close again, you close again, you close again. And basically, if they don't want to do it that day, you go on to the next one. Um, in, 
part of that job was you should push them. I, I did really well in that. Um, and not really as much because I pushed people, just because I was comfortable just busting my tail and I just m- m- prospected enough that enough things closed without me having to really push people. But I had peop- friends that did really well in that job that did. And they had no problem sitting there and to a point where you almost get in a fight with a client trying to, uh, with a prospect try to push them to do stuff. And that didn't feel right for me. That was one of the reasons why I kind of got out of sales at the get-go because it just, it, it, that's what I felt like sales was. And that's not me. Um, now, fast forward to now selling in the, in, in the government sector here. It's the opposite. Nothing happens, ever. And one of the things I was talking to Paul about is how do you slow that? How do you increase that sales process? Of course, we don't expect stuff to close on the first day, but how do you increase that sales process? Uh, and he just... You know, he gave some good advice on that, you know, controlling the controllables, but also understanding that um, it is what it is. And so there's no point in pushing people. And I think, um, you know, my opinion of our industry is there is no point in pushing people. But I think because of that, I see that people get complacent in a way. And I like Paul's approach to that is there are still things you can control. There's, you know, understanding the sales process, understanding their procurement, understanding when their budgets come up. So that all goes to understanding your industry. You see that right there, right? That's right. in it. like Paul, and when I got, um, I had a conversation with Paul about something that used to work for him. And that's one of the things he said, he'll sit in a meeting and say, Hey, when's your budget cycle up? Um, you know, can you add this to your budget? When does that come up? And it, it's kind of common sense, but I've been in a lot of sales meetings and I never see people ask that. Um, I certainly do now, um, but yeah, so, so it's, it's having control in the controllables and understanding how procurement works is, I'm realizing, probably one of the more important things if you want to sell in, a, in, in more of a complex sale. Again, if you're going into a place where you're sitting down with some dude at a restaurant trying to sell them some you know, uniform program or facility services program, maybe that's not that big of a deal. But when you start getting into complex sales, understanding the components that play into that sale is really important. Uh, some, you know, Paul talked about, you know, you got to like people and, and, you, and, and you have to want to help people. Again, kind of that to me falls under the put in the work when, when no one is watching. Yeah, I mean, you do. Um, I, I, I agree with that to the extent, um, or I mean, to all extents, you have to like people in, in, and you have to want to help people. Um, that's really easier said than done. Uh, and not liking people really per se, but, um, trying to come from a place of how can I help this customer at all times? It's so hard because at least for me, and if you're anything like me and you're driven and you're ambitious and you're motivated, there's this timer going off in the back of your head all the time. Like, all right, I get, you know, I get, and maybe this was ingrained into me because when I learned to sell, I learned an environment where it was all about getting the sale that day. So there's this constant thing on me, like, you know, what are you going to do to sell this? How are you going to get this customer to buy? And I have to constantly fight to keep that at bay, to kind of put it in the background and just be like, all right, like just be present with this person, see what you can do to help them. I get that at such a deep, visceral level but I struggle sometimes in the moment not not that I don't want to help people but I want to help them buy my product right and it's I don't think people talk about that enough because it's like oh no you don't want it but it's true right like we want them to buy our products so having the ability to kind of pump the brakes a little bit and really focus on helping them and if your product makes sense great and if not great I guess (laughs) Uh, but great and be okay with that I think and I know that that might be hard in the moment, but over the long term, that's what's really going to set you apart from a lot of other people. Because if you're going to be around in that job, in that industry for a while, those people are going to come back and they're going to respect you. And they're going to look at you as someone who is the expert because you're able to help push them in a better direction and it'll, it'll end up paying dividends. So that, that, that comment there was just as much for me as it was for any of you. Two other things he touched on. Um, presentation skills. Simply just having an agenda. Uh, I agree. So many meetings go to shit and, uh, it's unbelievable. Um, you know, whenever I have a meeting with Paul, he's always got the agenda on the, uh, on the outlook invite or whatever. But even I think, um, the next level to that is discussing the agenda at the beginning is a, is an important part of the meeting. It's probably in my opinion, one of the most missed important parts of the meeting is like having a collaborative agenda with someone to really understand like, what do you want to get out of this? And because so often we just assume and we go off into our, our world and we come back at the end of the call, there's five minutes left and the, the person had 10 questions that they actually want an answer and you don't have time to answer them. Every, I can't tell you how many meetings that I'm part of where it's like, well, let's just assume we know what they want. Let's present them all this stuff. And then every single time we do that, 
it's the top of the hour, a minute or two before the top of the half hour, the hour, whatever time we have, there's a couple of minutes left and the conversation's just getting going. It's just getting going. The good stuff's just coming up and we have to stop because we decided we wanted to talk about a bunch of stuff that they didn't care about first. So having that agenda and then reinforcing that in the start of the call is really important. Uh, leading versus selling. And that's, I guess, goes back to maybe some of the tactical components Paul talked about when he did talk about trying to move the sales process around. I mean, of course, you're not going to push people. You're not going to sell people, but you want to lead them. Um, and it's okay to, to do that. It's okay to follow up. Uh, it's okay to ask for an ask for a next step um, for whatever that looks like in your business or your world. I think that's important too, right? Like it's like so much like, you know, you just want to like give the customer space and you want to, and yeah, you absolutely do. Um, and you don't want to push anyone, but it's okay to ask. And if someone can't take the fact that you're asking them a question um, and they don't have the gumption to say, oh no, we're not interested at this time or hey, here's what we want to do, then, you know, that's that's their problem. <laughs> they shouldn't be in the call. They shouldn't be a decision maker if they can't say no. And that's just the, that's the bottom line. They shouldn't be a decision maker if they can't say no. So you don't push, um, you don't sell people per se, but you can lead them and you can ask them for the next step and give them the opportunity to say yes or no. Uh, and if they say no, then that's fine too. Uh, the last one that I'll ping here is uh, be concise in your writing. <laughs> Which is even better is uh, stop writing novels. I think that's going to be my, um, that should be my tagline for this episode, stop writing novels. Because I, I, I could not agree more um, in, a, in a technical industry where people just don't understand how to write. It's amazing. You know, we're in an industry where we think it makes sense to respond to a request for a proposal with a 30-page proposal with all these, uh, literally it's like, let's just pull in a bunch of uh, boilerplate stuff. Why? Like, and that's half our fault and half the customer's fault that we live in an environment. And we, we have one, we, we have one client here that when they request for a proposal, they say, you know, you have four pages, make it count. That's fantastic. Cause you know what? They're going to read those four pages. If you think anyone's reading a 30 page response to an RFP, you're crazy. If you think anyone's reading a five paragraph email, you're crazy. They're just not a uh, big part of promote myself online has been learning how to write copy. It doesn't really matter. I talk to my wife about this a lot. It doesn't matter how good of a product you have. It does, but it matter, what matters a lot less is how well you can promote it and how well you can articulate what that product is. And it's amazing, like, if you could just become a good writer, which actually the more you learn about how to write, the more you write, the more you realize writing good copy is writing a lot less, cutting out filler words, being super concise, making every word count, and writing in very normal tone. Don't try and turn this into some, you know, Paul talks about that. You don't want to write a novel and yeah, you're not going to write, you know, you with the letter U, but at the same time, you want to be casual, right? Like you want to write in many ways in the way people would respond um, and talk. Now that is different in different situations. Certainly when you're writing a technical document, maybe that needs to be a bit more technical, but you get my point. Don't write a novel. When you're writing an email, Think about what you want to say. Think about what you, how you want to say it. Cut out the filler words. Focus on getting your message across, and that's it. One message. That's it. Uh, I really did enjoy that conversation with Paul. I, I learned a lot from that. Reinforced a lot of things that I knew, but um, things that I didn't as well. I thought that was really neat. Uh, I, I hope you guys enjoyed this. I, I have two more episodes, um, and then I'm going to figure out what I'm going to do next here. Uh, but uh, as always, thank you guys for taking the time to listen. And I hope you have a great day.